Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. More and more scientists think carbon capture is key to reducing CO2 emissions globally. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. That's the unexpected energy of ExxonMobil. Downtown Indianapolis, Indiana, the epicenter of the NFL universe over the course of the next week as 337 aspiring young players try to prove what they can do at the next level. It's the future of the National Football League and our home away from home as we start NFL Live right now. The future. Promise of what may be. This is why you work so hard. Men, be confident as you go out. Building a team may be like solving a puzzle. It's time to find the missing piece. To discover the one. Men, be not afraid. Do not be afraid to be a legend. No one needs a quarterback. They need the quarterback. This kid can spin it. To bring my name up, like, you better put some respect on my name. Dwayne Haskins with a rainbow throw. A prime time dime. Hello, everybody. So happy to have you with us inside Lucas Oil Stadium here in Indianapolis, Indiana. Lewis Riddick is here. Todd McShay, of course, as he's getting ready for the draft. Wouldn't miss the combine. Adam Schefter, I'm Wendy Nix. We will be here all throughout the week and again on Monday as we watch these players begin their workouts and try and prove what they can do. But the news today coming outside of the NFL combine, and if your team's in the market for a quarterback, buckle up because one just came on the market. Nick Foles, a former Super Bowl MVP, will not be tagged or traded by his former team, the Philadelphia Eagles. Instead, he becomes an unrestricted free agent. That announcement coming earlier today. So Nick Foles set to hit the open market. Here's head coach Doug Peterson earlier. I tell you what, Nick and Nick and I, you know, we've got a we've got a lot of history together all the way back to when we drafted him, you know, when I was on Coach Reed's staff here in Philly and um and and so you know, we had conversations obviously at the end of the season, um, and and you know he he knew where where I stood and how I felt about him, and and uh, but at the same time, um, you know he, he he was a tremendous, obviously a, a, a huge part of our success these last last two years, and and uh, uh, but again a lot like you know in, in Carson's case he was one piece of the puzzle, and um, you know it's an opportunity now, you know as Howie mentioned to. Uh, um, become a starter in this league and he's very capable of doing that and uh you know i'm excited for his future well the nfl is a business i don't think anyone among us would dispute that but lewis you talk often about how relationships also play a part in decisions Mm -hmm. made and i don't think there's any question here that some of these relationships played in the decision to let nick Foles go and see what he can get on the open market absolutely this is maybe a classic example of doing right by the player the player has given you everything that he could possibly give you he won a super bowl for you quite honestly and you know in relief of the incumbent starter that being carson wentz and look nick Foles is a great person he's a great player he's a 
great professional. He's a great preparer. Now you're talking about relationships, spin it forward. When you start to try and follow the breadcrumb trail about where he may wind up, oh. think about relationships again. You have to think about that. Well, it's easy to figure out where he's going to wind up right now. And look, this always could change, but the most obvious landing spot by far is Jacksonville. There we go. Nick Foles, right now, subject to change, is ticketed for Jacksonville. And we've got a situation here where basically there's just not another obvious landing spot, okay? When you take a look at the quarterback landscape right now and who's out there and who's not out there, who needs a quarterback? Washington can't afford to pay Nick Foles when they have to pay Alex Smith. Miami in a different place than other teams. Jacksonville can win now and has a chance to go get a former Super Bowl MVP. And so you've got a situation where, to me, that's the most obvious landing spot. But let me say this, Lou. Mm-hmm. Also, their plan was to place the franchise tag on Nick Foles. And because of the lack of options that we're talking about, they didn't have a landing spot for him. And so they couldn't franchise him because they couldn't find a trade partner, particularly when you're talking about a franchise that once traded Sam Bradford for all it did, so it had inflated expectations. Mm -hmm. I think the other interesting part of this is now looking forward to the draft. What does this do to the quarterback market? You know, we're talking about Kyler Murray as as a possibility there at seven if Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State goes number six. So all of a sudden now, does this give opportunity for, for one of these two quarterbacks? to fall a little bit in the draft, and then maybe a team to move up and go get one of them as well. As you mentioned, Miami's a team that is in desperate need of, of quarterback help. Will the Bengals be in the market? Could Denver still be in the market for a rookie quarterback? There are a lot of teams in that top 15, 16 range that need quarterbacks, but, but Jacksonville now could at least have it solved for the short term and use that pick in a different area. Which, which makes the six and seven spots still kind of like fulcrum points for this draft because let's just say Jacksonville goes ahead, goes ahead and does sign Nick Foles. Well, doesn't that put them in the market then and say, hey, look, if somebody wants a quarterback, you want to come on up here if you're afraid of not getting your guy, our, our pick is in play. If you're, I mean, there's, a, there's still a lot of intrigue in the first five to six picks of the draft, then there's still some people who really firmly believe at number one, a quarterback is in play. A uh, quarterback is in play Lou, at number one. Lou, there are teams at the Combine who are predicting that yeah. Kyler Murray will be the number one overall pick. Now, again, we'll Which, see how this unfolds. We'll listen to the Cardinals, but I'm just telling you, there are teams who believe no Kyler Murray is going to go wait, number no one. What day is, wait, Friday's March 1st. I know that. So we're not even to March yet, but we, we'll, <laughs> we we'll kick this around for as long as we can. It's always, obviously, an interesting period because you have free agency when it opens. You have the draft, and then you have players that could be traded. All of those things affect the way these teams are put together. And among those players believed to be on the trading block are Antonio Brown. This is after he met with Steelers ownership last week, and the two sides shook hands and said, hey, it's probably time for us to go in a different direction. I caught up with Steelers GM Kevin Colbert just a little bit ago to talk about A.B. and what's next for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, Kevin, first of all, I know it's a busy week, so thanks for being with us. Let's start with Antonio Brown, who we now know, worst kept secret, uh, met with your leadership. The two sides agree, hey, time to move on. So where does that process go? You know, what is your job at this point in taking the next step there? Yeah, what we agreed upon is, you know, not necessarily it's time to move on, but it's time to look at possibly moving on. And we understand that. We accept that. And, again, if if we can do something that benefits the Pittsburgh Steelers, great. If we can do something that benefits the Steelers and Antonio, that would be good for everybody as well but again our focus will be on only making a move if it benefits us okay so possibly i think is the operative word there am i to assume then that there could be a scenario 
uh, where the situation remains as is and Antonio returns to your team? Yes, I mean, we've left that open. It's It will have to benefit us or it won't happen, and we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. So, I, you know, again, Antonio is a significant National Football League player, not only a significant member of the Steelers, he's one of the best players in the league. So if you subtract a player like that from your roster, you better get something valuable in return. When you look at the landscape uh, as a front office, are there situations where you say, regardless of what that might mean for Antonio Brown, that won't work for us? They're too close. They're in our division. Are are there teams you're willing to rule out no matter what the price in return? We wouldn't rule out anybody. We'll we'll have preferences. But if a team we may not want to trade a player to comes up with more compensation than others, then we have to consider it. Again, you may have to play a player more often, but if you get better compensation in return it's my job to make the most of that compensation so we can again make up for that loss. Kevin what's your response to someone or anyone as some have suggested that there's a cultural problem if you will inside your locker room? I completely disagree with it. Coach Tomlin is awesome at at providing a, 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 a culture if you want to use that word or just an environment where he treats our players like men. He gives them the opportunity not only to grow as football players but to grow as men, as fathers, as teammates. And, you know, most times, more often than not, that plays out. Um, sometimes it's not a perfect um, science or environment like in, in any professional locker room. But I have no question about, you know, first off, what the Rooney family wants and how they give us the opportunity to have that and what Coach Tomlin does with the players that we bring in because he certainly gives them that opportunity as a man to grow. Well, thanks for being with us. I know it's a busy week. All right, Wendy. Thank you. Well, Shefty, let's start with A.B., and I I understand the reasoning behind it. Clearly, the Steelers want to get as much as possible in return, but can you envision a scenario at all where this doesn't happen, where Antonio Brown remains on the Steelers roster? Not today. Now, that doesn't mean that that doesn't change, but he wants out of there in the worst way, and I think they want him out of there, and so now it's up to the Steelers to find a common ground and to find a team. The issue, and the reason that we're even bringing up that scenario is because there's not a ton of interest in a player who is universally regarded as one of the premier talents in the game. There are not teams lining up to trade for Antonio Brown when you know that you have to compensate the Pittsburgh Steelers and you know that you want to have to compensate Antonio Brown who's been looking for more guaranteed money. So there are a number of factors. It's not as simple as just going out to trade for a player. I think the teams are concerned about the way that he's behaved this offseason with all the social media presence. So, again, if it were so simple, if there were so many teams that wanted him, this deal would be agreed to already. The problem is there are not an abundance of teams out there lined up to go get Antonio Brown right now. Yeah, obviously there's a confluence of things that are coming together here to kind of suppress the interest. When you are very present on social media, and you do use the tactic that you use to get your way to really, well, potentially get out of there, that's a problem. When you combine that with the fact that you're saying, look, I'm not playing for free. I'm not playing, you know, based on me, me, me staying healthy and, me, and you paying me as I go. I want some guaranteed money up front. That's strike two. When you're on the plus side of 30, that's strike three. So there's a number of different reasons why teams are going to say, hey, now, you know what? We're going to do it at our price, which is not the kind of thing that the Steelers want to hear, which doesn't bring a whole bunch of people to the table. And quite honestly, it could be one of those situations where, look, Kevin may say, you know, we'll accept him back if we don't get the best deal for our team. 
But I'll tell you what, I'd love to hear how they would have plan on assimilating him back into that locker room, just one-on-one, him right. in particular. Well, I'd love I, to I hear asked that. that exact question, as a matter of fact, and the answer was, hey, we'll cross that bridge when we come <laughs> yeah. to it. Because no one wants to think about yeah. that right well, now, to your point. And I, I think the other question is then, assuming, moving forward, that he's not going to be with the Steelers. The Steelers pick at 20 overall. They don't need to draft a wide receiver in the first round this year. This year's class is deep. It's not great at the top. I think they could still go with a, a linebacker like a Devin Bush, someone who could be that Ryan Shazier in their linebacker core coming out of Michigan. He's got that athleticism and a guy who can, who can really be the impact playmaker. And then in the second, third rounds, I think that they, the Steelers, remember, have done such a good job drafting receivers. They can find one. Debo Samuel coming out of uh, South Carolina. Anthony Johnson from Buffalo. One of those types of guys in the second, third round, they could go get another wide receiver because they still have Juju Smith-Schuster. They still have James Washington. So there's still talent in that wide receiver core. Let me say something. I think there's a similarity between the Nick Foles situation and the Antonio Brown situation. You would think the teams would be lined up to go get a Super Bowl MVP, but there's not that many teams that need a quarterback at this stage. And you would think teams would be lined up to get a wide receiver like Antonio Brown. But the problem is, is there are not many teams willing to pay a veteran who's acting like he did, who wants more money. And I think culture comes into play and fit comes into play in both scenarios on different ends of the spectrum, right? With Nick Foles, if you can't duplicate Philadelphia, what do you think you're going to get right. with him? Right. I mean, and that's not a knock on Nick. That's just reality. That's just the reality. He has a special relationship with the people in that locker room and with that head coach in particular. And when you're talking about culture with Antonio Brown, look, you better have a lot of things lined up because Antonio has already drawn a line in the sand about what he's looking for and how he wants to be treated. And a lot of teams are going to are going to be like, you know what? It's not worth it. We got 52 other. It's not worth it. And that's. He's been nothing if not clear about what makes him comfortable and what That's he, right. and, and the situation sure. he's looking for. And I think that shrinks the pool uh, mm-hmm. r- right off the bat before you start talking about value and money and all of those things. Mm-hmm. We are live all week long here at Lucas Oil Stadium in downtown Indianapolis as we get set for the NFL Combine 337 players here with us. And here now a look at the schedule. Here's what we're dealing with. The offensive guys lead things off starting on Friday. The first workouts don't come until the end of the week, and that's the O-line and running backs. The quarterbacks and pass catchers will follow on Saturday. The D-line and linebackers will work out on Sunday, and then the DBs wrap things up. That comes on Monday. Any interviews, measurements, and medical testing, all of which are supremely important, will be done in the days before each respective position group goes through the workouts. For a look at some of these workouts and what they may mean, here's Lou and Shefty. We're down here on the field at the NFL Scouting Combine where all the action takes place. So I'm going to take you on a little trip of the three most important drills that scouts really want to see happen here during the Combine, starting here with the 40-yard dash. Adam, this is the signature event here at the Combine. It's really a signature event for the skill position players. Think running back, wide receiver, cornerback, safety. People want to see your raw speed. Some players have absolutely come in here and blown it up in this in this drill, and it was expected. Some players have come in here and had scouts go back and have to watch some more tape because they go, we didn't see that 40-time coming. And, Lou, it's on this field where fortunes are made or lost. And we've seen players stock skyrocket through the year, starting, I think, with Mike Mamula, who went onto this field, worked out, ran a blazing 40, worked out great, and all of a sudden becomes a high first-round draft pick when people weren't talking about him. Chris Johnson elevates his stock. John Ross elevates his stock. And on and on it goes. These players will have an opportunity to start here 
and to boost their status this week. Absolutely. Look, the second drill we're going to talk about is the three-cone drill. Why do I really like that drill and why do scouts like that drill? Because it measures functional movement. Okay, you're actually changing direction. You're not just running in a straight line. That drill takes place down there in the corner on the football field here. And for this drill, think about this. Think about interior offensive linemen, offensive guards, interior defensive linemen like defensive tackles because those are guys who operate in the short area. So guys like Fletcher Cox, Aaron Donald, they're the type of guys, Joel Batonio of the, of the Cleveland Browns, those are the type of guys who have really done well in this kind of drill, and that's what you'll be looking for when you're talking about the big men. And, Lou, it's not just the on-field work where fortunes are made or lost. There are plenty of events, medicals, interviews that go on at the combine that hurt a player's stock. We've seen it happen every single year. Remember when Andre Smith, who was projected as a high pick, got in trouble here, left the combine early. How about Reuben Foster? Becomes the first player, to my memory, of getting thrown out of the combine when he gets into an argument as he's waiting for medical rechecks. And every year there are medical issues with players that impact their stock and hurt it. Yeah, and the last drill we're going to talk about is the vertical jump. The reason why I like this one, because really, the vertical jump in the 40 are married because the vertical jump really measures lower body explosiveness. So again, it's important for skill position players, running back, wide receiver, cornerback, because if a guy can jump high in the vert, he u- it usually translates to a solid 40 time. Some of the guys who have really skied over here, guys like Eric Berry, Patrick Peterson, some of the best players in the NFL at the skill positions, and that's one of the fun events to watch and something you should keep your eye on. And Lou, we can talk about the running and the jumping and all those things, but the fact of the matter is the central storyline of this combine will be Kyler Murray and how he he performs. Now, the feeling around the league is that he's not going to throw at all. There's been no official confirmation from his camp just yet, but I think the belief is he won't throw. We'll go through some other rules, I would think. We'll talk to teams, but Kyler Murray becomes the central storyline of this combine in a sea of storylines about to unfold. He certainly does, Shefty, and here are some of those other storylines. Ohio State product Nick Bosa will fully participate. Remember, he underwent core muscle surgery last September, projected number one pick in Todd McShay's latest mock draft. Bosa's teammate, Dwayne Haskins, expected to throw an indie this week. He's been a projected top ten pick and looks to become the first Big Ten quarterback taken in the first round since Kerry Collins in 1995. Missouri standout Drew Locke will also throw on Saturday. That's when the quarterbacks work out. They take the field over the weekend. Locke finished his career second on the SEC's all-time passing yards list. Again, Todd McShay has him 31st on his latest mock draft. And one of the hottest topics, as we just mentioned, Oklahoma's Kyler Murray measuring out in terms of height. He's listed at 5'10 and could become the first quarterback under six feet to get drafted in the first round in the common draft era. He's already been taken in the first round in Major League Baseball's draft, but since then, Todd has come out and fully committed to football. He says he wants to be an NFL quarterback. Tell us why we need to know, Kyler Murray. Well, first of all, the commitment was huge. I think that's the big negative on him. The second one is everyone's going to talk about his size, and it's not just the height. Is he 5'9", 5'9 and a half? It's also how thick is he, how, how durable is he? You look at him as a player, we always talk about the explosive speed. I think what gets underrated, though, is his ability to make full field progressions and then also his passing ability in terms of touch and anticipation. Here you're going to see he gets a quarter's coverage. He sees off the play action. The safety's going to come rolling down. And what he does is he throws the receiver open. He could have easily kept flat on that throw and made it a very difficult catch. Instead, he puts it right to the right side, and there you see the wide receiver running under it. Also, 
the touch that he has as a passer. Watch this ball, and it's a great catch, don't get me wrong, but just the ability in a short area to get the ball in with that trajectory, I think it's very much an underrated aspect of, of what he does, and I think that's why you're starting to hear teams maybe in the top 10, we talked with Shefty already mentioning, maybe number one overall with Kyler Murray, when you have that explosiveness and you have that passing ability. I know it's only 14 starts, I know size is an issue, but this guy is a unique talent if you can use him properly. And he's committed, he's committed to football right now. The interesting thought is that there are some teams out there who say, yes, he is committed to football, and he can say he's committed to football, and they believe he's committed to football. But what if he goes later in the first round than he likes? What if he goes to an organization that he doesn't want to play for? What if one of these unwelcome scenarios suddenly unfolds? It would not be a problem for the Arizona Cardinals at number one or for some of the other teams that need a quarterback where he'd want to go. But if he fell late in the draft... You get to a certain point where you're going to lose money on the deal, where maybe you rethink the decision. But again, I come back to the point that there are a lot of teams who still believe Arizona, he's square in the mix with the number one overall pick. That's why I think it's going to be important as much for the teams to do their homework as well as far as what chatter are they hearing about whether or not he feels as though that organization in particular would be a good fit for him. Because the last thing you want to do is not have all the information and then go ahead and draft him. And then he gets there and he's kind of like, he doesn't look like he really wants to be here. That would be a big mistake on their part. But I'll tell you what, as far as his height is concerned, you know, his size is concerned, I think size for me is more of a concern about when you're talking about durability and you're talking about taking hits and just how big and how girthy his body is. Because height, I'm telling you, the more you watch him and you keep watching him, height is not an issue as far as him playing the game. It's just not. Things have changed in the NFL. We should tell you, though, quarterback measurements are taking on Thursday. So whatever height he is, we should we're know. Gonna find out. We'll, we'll, we're going to find out tomorrow. Does this place look haunted? No, I don't think so. What about those two creepy girls? Come stay with us. That is truly frightening. You know what's really scary? Missing out on Geico's great service. With Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents. Uh, thank you, creepy girls. Want to see our room? Mm, we're going to sleep in the car now. Happy geico Switch today for 24-7 access to licensed agents. We are live at Lucas Oil Stadium. Where else would we be as the NFL Combine heats up? Measurements and interviews are underway. Workouts set to begin on Friday. NFL Live here all week long. Fourth and goal at the one. He flips it to Foles. It's a touchdown by Nick Foles. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. We bring the thunder. Everybody's talking about backup, backup, backup. I think he's tired of hearing the word backup. You know, the starter thing, like leading a team, impacting a locker room. You know, that's why we play the game. And he deserves a start. He deserves a start in Philadelphia. Going into 2019, you can't have Nick Foles and Carson Wentz on the team at the same time. Nick's going to have to look for a new home. The NFL Combine, always a busy week for business, and so far this week, no exception. The news coming today from the Philadelphia Eagles that Nick Foles will not be tagged or traded. Instead, the former Super Bowl MVP set to hit the open market as a free agent, and we're happy to have with us to talk about the decision, Eagles GM Howie Roseman. Howie, thank you. Uh, this news really coming just an hour or so ago, although I know the decision was made previously. Why? Why go this route? 
Well, first, it's always fun to watch those highlights. It never gets old. <laughs> I, I bet I, yeah, you can hear it, too. Exactly. Yeah, it was fun. Um, you know, I think it's a lot of discussion with Nick and his representative. And for us, we always want to do what's not only best for our football team, but also makes a lot of sense for the players. And after talking about this with Nick, he deserves an opportunity to lead his own team. We've been incredibly fortunate in Philadelphia to have two top 15 NFL quarterbacks. And we knew at some point that probably wasn't sustainable, that they both deserve the right to have their own team. And so this is just part of that process and for us to get out in front of it and allow him and his representative to kind of continue to move on. You talk about that process and it was an interesting process because there's a lot that led up to the point today where you said that you're not going to tag Nick Foles. Earlier in the offseason, after the Super Bowl, you guys picked up the option. So clearly there had to be some thought given to putting the franchise tag on him. He then bought back his freedom for $2 million. Why pick up the option? if you're going to release him today? Well, first of all, you talked about it. Um, We had to do that in a limited amount of time. There were time constraints that went on with that decision. And again, it goes back to this is the most important position in all of sports. You know, it's a franchise quarterback. And, um, you know, that's hard when you think about it in a vacuum. How do you let a player like that go to free agency? But in the course of these discussions, it was the right thing to do for him. It was the right time to do it. And, uh... You know, that's where we are, and it allows him to go about his business, and it allows us in an exciting time where we're able to start talking about adding players, re-signing our own free agents, for us to kind of move forward as well. In your mind, is there any doubt that he is the best quarterback available in this free agent class, Howie? No. None? None. Why do you say that? The guy's won four playoff games in the last two years. He's shown the impact he can have on a football team. Um, And he's done it over a period of time since we drafted him in Philadelphia in 2012. So um, obviously there's a lot of emotional attachment to the player as well, but it shows up. Well, let's back let's back up then just for a minute because four playoff games in the last two years he, he won a Super Bowl as part of your team I know there's a lot of a lot of goodwill there why then is Carson Wentz the right fit to lead this team going forward Carson's also shown the ability to be one of the top players in the National Football League when he's healthy um, he's been incredible when he's had the opportunity he's a guy we've invested a lot in as a player and so for us this these are never easy decisions you know that's that's our job to make difficult decisions and uh, for us we felt like this is the right move moving forward for the Philadelphia Eagles. Carson missed the last part of the season with the back injury. Where is he today in terms of being ready and what are the expectations for him for the offseason and training camp? Well, I'm so glad I had an opportunity to talk to the Philadelphia media before I got with you, Adam, and you, Wendy. So I was prepared for all these questions. But we don't get into timetables with any of our injured players. All we could say is we're incredibly excited for him in this offseason to get ready for the 2019 season and lead our football team. What's the, best, what's the biggest objective in the offseason, the biggest piece that needs to be in place before you start a new season? Well, one, we have a lot of free agents, and we have to make decisions on them and um, how we can retain some of them. And at the same time, these are guys who had a huge impact on our football team, who had an impact on us winning a world championship two years ago, you know, winning a road playoff game this season. So those are hard decisions in and of itself, um, taking Nick out of the equation. And then we have to improve. We have to find ways to improve our team. We have three picks in the first two rounds. Um, we will maintain flexibility to make some decisions and to add players in free agency, possibly by trades. And um, we're excited about that. Trades. Right, let's, yeah, let's make a deal. Every trades. time you do something, you come on. So we'll see you tomorrow, maybe. You do something, then you come on and talk about it. 
I like it. I like it. What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? You and Adam can negotiate. There are very few people that enjoy trades. As much as Howie. Very okay, few good. people. Adam is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank, uh, Howie, thank you so much, and uh, best of luck as you build your team for the season you. ahead. Saturday from 1 to 3 Eastern, right here at the NFL Combine at Lucas Oil Stadium, ABC will have special coverage of the quarterbacks who will work out on Saturday right here on NFL Live. We'll have reports all week. NFL Network has their usual coverage as well through Monday. The ESPN and ABC coverage also available on the ESPN app. Among the storylines here, although happening outside of the combine, is the future of Antonio Brown. We reported that last week uh, Antonio met with Steelers' ownership and the two sides shook hands and agreed to move on. The speculation is that Antonio Brown will be traded. Kevin Colbert, the Steelers' GM, addressed the media earlier today. Josina Anderson was there. And, JoJo, I'll ask you what you took away from his comments. Well, yes, Wendy, Steelers general manager Kevin Colbert stated earlier today here at the NFL Combine that interest in Antonio Brown has grown since he made the comment that at least three teams are potentially interested in trading for the Steelers wide receiver, but that he would prefer to send A.B. to a team they don't play that much while balancing that with the need of having to get adequate compensation for a player of that caliber. But what actually stood out to me about the comments that he made today was that he said the organization is still open to welcoming A.B. back. Again, anything we do has to benefit us. If it doesn't, then we won't. Well, again, Antonio Brown's one of the best players in the National Football League. And, you know, we'd like to have him on our team. Uh, So if you lose a player like that, if you decide to take a player like that off your team, you best have the compensation that will justify removing that player. And that wouldn't be significant compensation either in the form of a draft pick or picks or a player and picks just so you can try to balance off the great loss that will happen if you lose a player like that. But given A.B.'s apparent mindset of wanting a fresh start out of Pittsburgh, I asked Colbert, is there really a path towards mending fences if he's not able to execute a change, and he said, or a trade rather, and he said that, listen, things can change. Players get emotional during and after games, and that really is the nature of the sport. But he said the teams that benefit are the ones that can manage those emotions, and he thinks that Tomlin is particularly good at that, particularly with treating players like men. And he also wants wanted to emphasize that from his perception, he does not think that there's any dysfunction in the Steelers locker room. Wendy, back to you. JoJo, thank you. And really what Kevin Colbert is doing here is just smart business. He's protecting that market for Antonio Brown. He knows they want to move him. He's going to try to keep that price as high as he can. Uh, But he is right about one thing. He is one of the more dynamic players in the National Football League. But I want to start where JoJo left off. Do we have a bigger picture issue here within the Pittsburgh locker room? You know, without being there, obviously, day-to-day, you can't really say that definitively that you do. But there's enough smoke of surrounding this football team to say that maybe Coach Tomlin will have to, whereas he gives a lot of players and he gives his team overall a lot of leeway in order to act, in order for them to make good decisions and act as men, where there's a lot of trust between the two. Maybe he needs to dial a little bit of that back in. Maybe he needs to kind of like put his foot down a little bit more. And I don't want to speak for Mike because Mike's been a very, very successful coach and someone who I respect greatly for what he's accomplished in the NFL. But there's always chatter coming out of this football team. There's always something that's going on with this team where people are talking about this team. And then it doesn't have to do with uh, things that are happening on the football field, which is where coaches want to keep it ultimately. And so, look, every coach is always trying to evolve and self-assess where they're at as far as their leadership. 
leadership style and their leadership effectiveness. I don't think there's there's no difference here with Mike, and I think there's enough evidence to say this. Maybe he just needs to tighten it up a little bit around there in Pittsburgh because this is a good football team. And quite honestly, it's a football team that's underperformed relative to what their expectations are. Todd, does the future of Antonio Brown affect the draft in any way, shape, or form, given uh, where he may end up? I think it absolutely does. It doesn't mean it has to be the first round. They pick at 20 overall. Now, they could very easily go with a, a linebacker there. We talked about earlier a guy like Devin Bush, who would be great for this organization because not only does he become the next Ryan Shazier, he's coming out of Michigan, very athletic player, but he also is a high-character guy. And I think that's kind of the focus. I, I think whether it's wide receiver, linebacker, we can talk about all their position needs. I think ultimately – They've got to start really focusing on bringing in guys that can be leaders and they can be the future of this organization because now it looks like Antonio's gone. Ben's not getting any younger. What's the real future for, for Le'Veon? So there's, there's a lot of questions with this organization moving forward. Well, think about those questions, right? If you would flash back to being at the combine a year ago and flash ahead and think, well, the Pittsburgh Steelers would be without Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, two of the three killer bees getting ready for the 2019 season. That would be a lot to overcome. Now, I know James Conner, your guy, Lou, played mm-hmm. great, mm-hmm. and he's shown a lot of progress, and they have reason to be encouraged. And Juju Smith-Schuster has been tremendous. But you are still talking about two premier elite talents that you have to replace. Not to mention, you mentioned linebacker. Cornerback has been a problem yep. for this team. Big holes there. And they're not going to get a first-round draft pick back for Antonio Brown. That's not going to happen in the end. There's not going to be a team in the league, in my opinion, that's going to be willing to give up a first-round pick for Antonio Brown. So he's not going to impact the early part. They'll come up with a wide receiver later on because no team has done a better job Mm -hmm. of coming up with wide receivers in later rounds than Pittsburgh. But it's not going to be a first-round pick, and I don't see them going wide receiver in the first round because they have too many other needs to address and fill first. You know, when you're you're talking about is there a problem inside the locker room, I think to spin this positively, as we've already referenced the fact that they don't have to draft wide receivers in the first round. This is one of the best teams in the NFL at developing that position in particular. So I think to to give them credit, look, this organization knows how to get the most out of acquiring, or rather drafting for value at this position in particular. I'm not saying they're going to draft the next Antonio Brown. You're talking about one of the best wide receivers this game has ever seen. But And then spin it forward a little bit more when you're talking about being here at the draft and you're talking about drafting a linebacker. Really what has ailed, or really what has hurt this football team is that side of the ball, is the defensive side of the ball, which is where they need to really pick it up and get some impact players because I believe that that is the side of the ball that has held this team back more than anything despite all the controversies surrounding the offensive players. Well, it's interesting. It may be the thing we talk most about, but it's not as if this is the only thing on their to-do list. Sure. You know, it's a long offseason. They've got a lot of holes to fill, a lot of decisions to be made. Again, the expectation is Antonio Brown will move on, although at least publicly the Steelers saying we're not going to shut the door on on a return, but I'd, I'd like to see what that looks like. That'd be, that'd That'd be a tough one. Once he was headed to Arizona, there was no doubt Cliff Kingsbury is going to be the Arizona Cardinals head coach. We want to turn this thing around quickly. It's all about what I do from this point forward. Rosen fires. Touchdown by the Rosen one. The opportunity to do it at the highest level in an exciting roster with the number one pick. It's a lot of positives. They made this the right time. In last year's NFL draft, the Cardinals traded up to get UCLA's Josh Rosen at number 10 overall. He sat behind veteran Sam Bradford the first three games before being named the team's starting quarterback in week four. He had some struggles finishing 2018 with an NFL high 19 turnovers. He had a 26 QBR, the worst in the league. 
finished with the second lowest completion rate ahead of Josh Allen. In fairness, though, the offensive line did not help the cause. He was sacked 45 times and pressured on 36% of his dropbacks, the fourth highest rate for a quarterback in the NFL. Joining us now, Arizona Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury. And before we start, I, I do want to know, have you gotten used to hearing that Cardinals head coach with your name? It's getting there. It's getting there. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it, it's been fast. It takes a little time. It's been fast, I know, as you just joked, baptism by fire. So we'll get right into it, shall we? Uh, Steve Kime, the Cardinals DM, asked just a few minutes ago about your quarterback, Josh Rosen. Here was his answer to the future at the quarterback position in Arizona. I think what Cliff said was trying to avoid bulletin board material. I think if you're a Texas Tech, I would have said the same thing about an Oklahoma quarterback. But, um, you know, again, it's still early in the process. We haven't even gone through a full evaluation at all the positions. So, really, it's, it's again, too early to say. Is Josh Rosen our quarterback? Yeah, he is right now for sure. Well, there's two words right there, of course, that, that pick up, that get that get people's attention, and that is for now. I'm not sure exactly what he meant, Cliff, but but what is the state of the quarterback position for the Arizona Cardinals right now? Yeah, Josh is our starter. I mean, that's the guy um, that it's been and, and will continue to be, and um, we, we love Josh. He's the top 10 pick for this organization for a reason. Um, I'm excited to work with him. You heard Steve talk about your earlier comments, and I do think it's important to give it context. You were a college team facing his college team talking about the opposing quarterback. But put, putting that aside, if you were evaluating Kyler Murray at the next level, what can he bring to the NFL? Yeah, he's a dynamic talent, you know, to be the quickest player on the field regardless of position and then be able to drop back and, and beat you in, in the passing game as well. Um, I just think the world of him as a player and a person having – recruited him in high school and, and know what he's about um, and think he's going to continue to prove people wrong at the next level. Cliff, what is it like to be at the Combine when your team has the number one overall pick and you can look at all these prospects and know that you could pick whichever one you want? Yeah, it's exciting, particularly for me being the first time um, to know you could get that player that changes the entire organization with that pick. Uh, that, that's a big deal and a fun time for our organization. Also, would say you've been here at the Combine as a quarterback coming out, you've been here as a head coach. What would you say to these players here this week about going through this process? Yeah, as tough as it is, enjoy the process. There's so many young men that would die to have this opportunity. I understand it's intense. There's a lot of pressure, but enjoy it for what it is and, and uh, feel blessed to be here and be a part of it. It's always interesting what a difference a year makes because the quarterback class dominated the headlines last year. We were talking about these these five quarterbacks, where they would go. Josh Rosen does land in Arizona. So now we have a year, right? We have a small sample size, but a year under their belt nonetheless. What's he? What's the number one thing that Rosen has to improve on to be successful? Yeah, it, it was a tough sample size, just dealing with the injuries up front, um, some injuries at wide receiver. So uh, it was hard to kind of tell exactly where we need to make strides but I did see improvement um, as the season went on and I saw toughness there were some adverse conditions where you continue to fight continue to get up and stand in the pocket and those are all things you can build with what did it mean to this team to get Larry Fitzgerald signed to an extension to bring him back to work with presumably Josh Rosen yeah that was incredible um, such a great role model for our team on and off the field and just a great ambassador for our game overall You've worked with so many great college quarterbacks, Cliff. Does it translate at all? I mean, you're sort of the CEO now, a different type of operation. But uh, can that experience 
help you in your new role? Yeah, I think so. I, I think you, you look at you know Patrick's success and um, the way some of these other guys have played, and um, our style of coaching um, is unique. We adapt to our personnel, adapt to our quarterback, and want to make sure that he's comfortable in whatever system um, he's playing in. And so I'm excited to, to get our hands on these guys and see what we can do. Well, a lot of folks will be talking about your team. They'll be talking about that first overall pick. You want there'll be plenty of headlines between now coming. and April. They'll, <laughs> they will keep coming. So again, uh, we know you're you're here, and it's a busy week. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. The commitment to the NFL that's been huge, but now some question marks, at least in terms of what his plans are this week. Do you, do you right? Know? And Kyler Murray and his camp have not commented on what they will and won't do this week. My understanding is, and nobody's confirmed, is he's not likely to throw. Again, no official decision. We'll see. Maybe he does decide to throw. But I think that they believe that scouts have seen enough of his throws. They know what he can do with the football in his hands. He's magic with the football in his hands. And he doesn't need to do that here. Now, I think some personnel evaluators, you guys are on this side. You can address it. They like to see the guy throw. They like to see him step up to the competition. We'll see what he decides. But my sense going in is that he's not going to throw the You want to see him compete. And I understand it. And I, but I also understand the other side because it's, it's not a great situation to be in with receivers that you don't know. You've got the 14 games of tape. It's not a, a, a great amount of tape. But if you're Kyler and you say, you know what, I'm going to throw in my pro day. I'm going, to pro, I'm going to throw for the general managers and the coaches that come in and work me out at Oklahoma, then it, they're going to have plenty of opportunities. And don't forget, I know there's been 32 first-round quarterbacks in the last decade. 11 of them did not throw at the Combine. So it's not as if it would be unprecedented no. for a first-round quarterback. storyline last year, right? Who were Sam Darnold didn't Sam throw. Sam Darnold, that's right. right. I feel like we talked about it all week. It seems like it's okay. Look, I, I don't think it hurts you whether you throw here or you don't because people already know that it isn't set up for your best performance here. They know that. So if you don't have your best performance, people go, well, there's always your pro day. But if you have a tremendous performance and you get on the same page with wide receivers quick and they see you interacting with wide receivers down here to actually get on the same page with them, then all of a sudden, guess what? It benefits you because now they're looking at your leadership. They're looking at your take-charge mentality. And the cream always rises to the top anyway here. So he's probably, he would probably come out here and just rip it up, which would only just make people drool over him even more and go, you know what, maybe Arizona is going to pick him number one. Maybe we do need to move up in the draft because Hassan's going to go earlier. It, it's not going to hurt him if he throws here. It's just not. All right. Anything yeah. else? Enthusiasm? I like it. You like it? It sounds like sound you're there's a bigger upside to throwing than yeah. there is a downside. I, I don't see what the downside <laughs> is. Here's the here's the one thing that's interesting, though, especially if, if Aha, a small Aha, time for the downside. Go. Well, it's not even downside. It's if you don't throw, then you're sitting around, and we've got you on camera all day long on ABC, <laughs> and other networks, have, the NFL Network has them on camera all day long, and now everyone's looking at Kyler Murray versus all these quarterbacks who are throwing. Houston Houdini is some kind of magician. He's elusive, quick. He got eyes in the back of his head. He make magic on the field. Hudson scrambling up the middle of the field. Gets away from Lawson. Touchdown! Showing magical feet! I feel like I'm a playmaker. I'm always working on my feet, working, try to stay in place. Make sure that we get some positive out of it, even whenever it's, you know, it feel like it's about to be a negative play. Watson in trouble. Gets away from a sack. Watson throws to the end zone. God! He does it again! Houdini! It's fun to watch as a defensive guy. Enjoy the show. The great thing about being here at the Combine, you never know who's going to happen by. And, and look who look who stopped by, Texans head coach Bill O'Brien. Coach, thank you. Uh, you watch that, and we talk about Deshaun Watson a lot. We talk about quarterbacks a lot. Uh, what? Where? Where are we? We know he, you know he sacked a lot of times. He's had some health issues. Yeah. Where, where are we with the quarterback? 
we're we're in a good place, but we need to we need to make some improvements, no doubt. But I think that's what the league's about. I mean, we we all are trying to improve. We're trying to improve as coaches. We're trying to improve as players. And I think the 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 deal with Deshaun is. You, 